Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everybody. This time we're joined by Anders Johansson, who is known uh, on his uh, Instagram handle as Viking Blacksmith, and that's because he is the resident Viking Blacksmith at uh, Gudvangen in Norway. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you I'm for joining us. <laughs> you brought your hammer. <laughs> is, is that thing ever further than like a three meter radius from you at all times? Never leave, never leave your hammer more than three feet away from you. You never know when the uh, the iron is gonna start attacking you. For, uh, you know, depends uh, on what. You're... <laughs> no. I'm actually, uh... I'm actually uh, literally, um, well, what's it called? Five meters, five yards, or whatever. This way, that way, uh, is my smithy. So I'm, I'm actually sitting in my uh, blacksmith apartment right here. So I pimped it up a little bit, but it no- normally looks like this. So All we're right. actually talking with you while you're in the Viking Age. Yeah, you might say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so, so where, where, should we, where should we start? Um, oh, you had, you had a question you wanted to ask. Yeah, First. I have a well a question slash a disclaimer. So because I, you know, in Norway we have this uh, stuff here. This is from Poland, though. But uh, I just want to let everyone know that if I start snorting this stuff here, uh, it's actually tobacco. So don't get scared. Uh, it's not <laughs> a white powder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this, this stuff is actually, you know, I I I got this from uh, some Polish visitors when they were visiting the Viking market, and this is uh, crushed up tobacco, which is it's been cured for uh, it can be cured for years. So uh, when the natives in America uh, met the Europeans when they came there the first time, uh, the first expedition actually brought with it like two years later they brought this stuff back to Europe. This is the first tobacco uh, product that was introduced into Europe. This is called snuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just wanted to let you know it's very popular in, in Norway, but it's more this is uh, dry, dry uh, snooze, as we call it, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the normal one in Norway, Sweden, uh, especially in Finland, I think, uh, is the one that's uh, wet that you put as a pouch under your lip. Uh, mm-hmm. We call this snooze. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to be, it seems to be, I've seen, whenever I'm in Scandinavia, it always seems that it's a very popular thing, those little, those little pouches that you pop under your yeah. lip, and it, it, it seems to be getting bigger here, I see them behind the counter now, and I think the brand is even called Nordic, the biggest one yeah. that we have over here. I have, oh, yeah. yeah. Over Make here, sense. over here, they sell Copenhagen snooze. Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, on the prairie in America. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Danish guys, uh, the Danish people, they might be uh, into this as well. I actually don't know because I know. No, 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 no. We Danes, we Danes, we we smoke like chimneys instead. Yeah, yeah. That's how I started smoking again. I went to Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're Danish. That's I didn't catch that. Sorry. <laughs> that's yeah. a good thing I stopped there before I said something about Danish people. You know. <laughs> no, say I, it. I'm used to say it. it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, like a, it's like a family in Scandinavia because it's, uh, we're we're like three countries uh, and we have our siblings and then we have two cousins, which is Iceland and Finland, basically. 
Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and we tease each other, especially Norwegian people tease Swedish, and I think Swedish tease uh, Norwegians. We're a bit more relaxed about the Danish, I think. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. you, and then the as a Danish, as a Dane, you can take a lot of shit when you go to Sweden, though. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I don't know if uh, do you like uh, salty licorice as well? Are you asking oh. me? Yeah. I never shut up about salty licorice. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Because <laughs> I I had I had to warn you about this, but I already had my dosage of uh, salty licorice. I actually had some <laughs> salty licorice ice cream that's like filled with the, uh, what's it called? Uh, salmiak uh, ammonia. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> my name is Love Licorice. <laughs> yeah, we love licorice okay. for some reason. Let's talk about where it is you are. I don't know if you want to give us a little a little rundown. I'm sure you have a, a whole talk that you usually give. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I Sometimes I have uh, VIP visitors, for example, and they want to just listen to me rant on about the uh, Iron Age and Viking Age blacksmithing and iron processing and stuff like that. So, and uh, so you have to just stop me if I rant for too long and just keep ask me questions if they, if you have any along the way mm-hmm. so uh so um first of all um i can tell you how they made iron in the viking age that's a good place to start i think oh okay, before I, I would say before we get into blacksmithing in general i yeah. wanted to know i guess know about the the place as a whole i saw it called viking oh, yeah. valley, viking valley yeah. or Mateus yeah. Wood. What's it of actually course. called? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, kind of tricked myself a little bit because I uh, I live here, so it's like I everybody knows this place. Kind of, you have this local thing that you you know uh, normally you think everybody knows already. So mm-hmm. yeah, of <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit about the place. Um, so about twenty years ago, or thereabouts, uh, the chieftain. Who is called Georg? Uh, he and uh, the woman who is uh, who owns the hotel with her husband on the other side of the river here. They sat over at the hotel and they looked at this big grassy area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, "Wouldn't it be perfect to have a Viking village over there?" So, and as you do, as you as do, you do. <laughs> as you do normally, <laughs> and uh, so. He has his own story, so he uh, I won't tell his story. It's a long story as well, but uh, they eventually managed to get their dream uh, to come true. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, first they had, there, there's so many, I started working here in uh, 2018, and uh, there's so many stories before I started working here about how crazy this place was before I started working here. So. I'm like, I'm half happy, half uh, regretful that I didn't discover this place before. Okay. So, uh, so it's like, there's, there's a game, for example, called uh, Knottleiker, uh, which is a game that is played uh, in the Viking Age. They, they, um, they played this by, there's one tale, I think it's, this is in Grettir Saga, I think. Uh, yeah, Grettir Saga. Uh, the, one of the Icelandic sagas. Um, Grettir uh, and his uh, some of his uh, family and friends are playing not like it. There's two versus two 
on an icy field and they have uh, some kind of goal on each side of the court and they have a ball that's uh, been made from uh it's been made from birch bark so it's but like it's been uh soaked and twisted into a very hard sharp ball <laughs> and um so so, safe. <laughs> yeah. so when Gretir uh, gets uh Gretir gets angry so he smacks the ball uh, so that it flies into his brother's face, I think it is. And he gets a cut in his forehead, which is one of the, the first sign that they saw that Gretir was really strong because he, this other guy was really, really strong. He was seen as being really strong. And mm. uh, so that's the first, uh, first of, I love Gretir Saga, by the way, as you probably understand by now. Yeah. Uh, so, so they play this by uh, you, uh, anyone who has the ball is free for all. You can do whatever you want to them. You can, you beat them or you can kick them or uh, you know <laughs> strangle them or whatever it doesn't matter there are no rules right so uh, and when when you have the ball and in order to make a goal then you have to smack the ball with your uh, with your bat so that it hits the goal on the other side right yeah mm -hmm. like uh, the movie in uh, yeah. the, the northman yeah yeah, that's I thought that that's where I saw it. I can share my opinion about the movie later. But uh, so we have this chord here that we play, not like it, right? And uh, there we have some Russian school kids, uh, like, I don't know, they were like 12 years old. This is a secondhand story, by the way. So I didn't experience this myself, but this is the type of thing that I was told later. And okay. uh, so they were. They didn't really, they hadn't done so much investigation into how it like it was supposed to be played. So they didn't have any rules for this. So what they didn't know is that Russian school kids are apparently highly competitive. So they didn't <laughs> care about any rules at all. And uh, so they ended up with, uh, with uh, beating each other with the baseball bats. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that's, that's when they... Uh, so it's it's kind of um uh, kind of same thing as um, uh, we had some Russian fighters as well. They we asked them also if they had any rules for for engagement with with uh, reenactment weapons because you have these steel weapons and everything. And uh, then the, the the comment on that is uh, if he's unconscious, don't hit him so much. <laughs> <laughs> so much as well. <laughs> so uh, we had some 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 uh, stories like that, but. Uh, when I uh, started working here, uh, the the village was already built. So they built it in uh, twenty seventeen during that year, mm -hmm. and uh, the site that the village is built on is not historic historical site. So uh, it hasn't been a Viking village here before, or anything like that. Uh, but the area goes back all the way to the Stone Age because you have something called Vaidevig. Uh, the wall or hunting wall in the mountains up here. Uh, mm -hmm. Typical for the Stone Age because they built these stone walls uh, up in the mountains to guide reindeer out to uh, run over the cliffs of a mountain. Oh. And um, this is signs of, of settlement or like activity here, at least in this area yeah. in, in the Stone Age. Then you have the, the Bronze Age, which is... Um, uh, you have several finds from the Bronze Age and you have several uh, mounds, uh, uh, grave mounds from the Bronze Age. 
Mm -hmm. And you have uh, Viking Age finds as well. So there is uh, Viking Age history from this area as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like a, a very cool place. I don't want to go into too much of the the creating of the village. Um, but it sounds that I guess they, they tried to do everything as accurate as possible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had some criticism uh, a few years back because uh, someone went into the village and they were, or they actually looked at looked at it from outside, and they thought it looked uh, too modern with plain walls and like straight walls and everything. Uh, the the thing about that is that uh, the village was built by we had two project man managers for building the village, and one of them was a historian and the other one was an archaeologist. I think uh, they both. I think they're both uh, Danish. If I don't remember uh, wrong, uh, don't quote me on that. But uh, they did everything by the book as, as far as they know how to uh, mm -hmm. do that. So they built the it too well, though. Huh? <laughs> they, bu they built it too well. Too well, yeah. <laughs> so, too, too uh, straight. Obviously, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, obviously, they were able to make straight planks. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to make ships. Mm -hmm. You know, it just takes a little bit longer. So, and judging from the mestimir find in Sweden, it's a, it's a it's a finding of a chest, a tool chest from the Viking Age that's been lost on a on a lake in Sweden. This lake became a, a marsh uh, and eventually a field that a a, a farmer uh, plowed. So he uh, discovered this. Uh, was it called cash or like this huge uh, find of uh, many tools, uh, hundreds of tools from the Viking Age? Mm. So, and you have planes and you have uh, chisels, you have files. Obviously, with the the pattern of the file has been er er eroded away because it's small, small iron. Mm -hmm. So, it's a massive find and it's uh, very fascinating in my opinion. So. Yeah, uh, obviously they did have the tools and they did have the techniques uh, to do that. So we have imagined this village to be a um, very rich place, like a, a wealthy kaupang kind of, uh, which is like a shopping place uh, that has a harbor that ships can come in and they can have trading. Mm -hmm. So we imagine that, okay, everyone in this area is probably going to be rich because we have, we do have a, a local uh, a local, what what do you call that? A uh, woman from the sagas called Aud uh, the Wise uh, is local from here, uh, the next valley over from here. Mm -hmm. uh, her family was a very big family, which eventually married into the Scottish royal family. So it's um, in the Viking Age. This area was really rich and really uh, well known. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, so when's that? When someone complained that the the walls were too straight, I, I I guess I don't know how how would we know that they weren't straight? Exactly, the yeah. Age, I guess surely they would have built them straight. But like anything with wood, especially over a, a thousand years, anything yeah. you're gonna find is it's gonna have warped and twisted and changed and. Exactly. Especially um, when, it's, when it's gone to ruin as well. It's about common sense, I think, as well. So I, I agree with you. So uh, how would you know? Uh, so most of it is up to conjecture uh, on this uh, on this count because um, 
we don't really know how they would have looked these houses. We do know that we imagine the the roofs of houses to be shaped like boats or ships uh, until we found uh, an example of a straight beam in in Denmark. I think so. So most of the the, the houses that were we look at as very classical uh, long houses with boat shaped uh, roofs seems to be uh, maybe it can be the rule and then there is an exception of a straight uh, beam uh, that makes the roof uh, happen straight but mm-hmm. there's also tales from the sagas that um, talk about uh, well Njol's uh, saga I think has a, a tale about they were shooting out from the from the scot or from the 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 small openings on the underneath the ceiling inside the house which indicates that uh, the the these houses were had a straight roof lower roof with the windows on top of these uh, actually on, on the the, uh, the 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 houses with the convex um, roofs and and walls as well yeah. uh, they are very closely linked to the Trelleborg um, um fortresses that are being built yeah, in, yeah. in the Herald Bluetooth in Denmark. And they do seem to spread from there. So like become yeah. like a thing, but uh, it, I don't think that they were, you know, common it, like as just like the houses that people would build. Cause we do also see the, uh, the more sort of straight houses uh, yeah. present yeah. across Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, the, 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 that those like typical Viking houses, right? Uh, they're probably more associated with the upper class. Like mm. it's an elite building style, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, it seems like that as well. No, okay, you might, okay. Sorry, go on. No, go, no, you go. Okay. No, um, it just occurs to me that um, you, we have something called lofting in Norway. We they also have this in Latvia. I know uh, this is common building technique. It means that you put um, uh, well, for, seen from above, you put one beam, like one log here, and then log there, and then a log there, and log there. So uh, it's a yeah, it's a log house. Is that what mm-hmm. it's called in English? Huh? Yeah, like a log cabin mm-hmm. type type. Log thing, cabin, type, yeah. And uh, we don't have any examples of log cabins from from the Viking Age, um, naturally, because the reason why the stave churches have been preserved is because they are built in in the way that you have a beam which is already naturally impregnated because of its uh, resin inside. They would, would, when a a child was born, this is the myth that I've heard at least, um, mm-hmm. I don't quote my quote me on this because, uh, as far as I know, my sources are made the fuck up, you know. So <laughs> that's why they it's like that. I love when people ask me what my sources are things because I'm, that's my primary answer. So it's like okay, <laughs> but, so, but, but that's that's but kind of beautiful. It's, actually. <laughs> it's it's kind of beautiful in its own sense. That's how things were passed around originally. You know, at, yeah. in the Viking age, things would have been passed around orally. And they would maybe change a little bit here and there. So it's yeah. quite beautiful that that's how you yeah. would then remember the things you pass on. And fuck it, it might not yeah. be 100% accurate, but it makes for yeah. a good story. Exactly, yeah. I think the only I think the only exception to that actually is like skaldic poetry because it's so extremely complex and complicated. I haven't even looked at it closely yet, but I know it's like they call skaldic poetry haiku from hell. And this is one of the reasons why I believe uh, you know, Snorri, 
yeah, when he started preserving uh, Scaldic poetry, he um, he did it because he he was fond of um, he was fond of uh, the Norwegian Hen- king. He was Hennings. fond of the Norwegian king. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what he was actually. <laughs> but his excuse was that like, <laughs> we need to preserve this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, as far as we know, it's it's uh, as far as I understand is it's um, so it's so uh, complicated to to make a skaldic poem that you can't really start changing things around in it so that it's most likely pretty accurately uh, how it used to be in the first place. Oh, okay, yeah, you know what I mean. So, I guess that's, I guess it kind of be similar to a, with a song, any song yeah. today. It has yeah, a it has a melody and a rhythm. You wouldn't, yeah. you kind of would remember that. Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing is, the thing is, with skaldic poetry, and that um, it is alliterative, right? So if you start moving around, and it's you know very tight, um, yeah. uh, if you start moving around on the um, uh, with like words and stuff like that, then then you get an entirely different meaning sometimes. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. you know um, with a song, you can like forget a word or make up another word, you know, as long as it rhymes and, and yeah. follows. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, it's uh, it's supposed to be very. Uh, historically accurate okay, of course yeah. you know that all the sagas are like yeah this was composed by this and that dude in 800 and something something it's like yeah how do you know that dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah because historians are made the fuck up you know <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it so okay you're gonna have to go back and tell us about the the impregnated log because <laughs> yeah. otherwise people are going to be furious that you got halfway through a story and then stopped <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> So uh, apparently, when a child was born in in the old days in Norway, um, then they the the farmer who had the child uh, would be going out in the forest, cutting down branches on a um, pine tree all the way to the top, so that you have like a small Christmas tree at the top, like maybe a meter of uh, of green on the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, then by the time the, the child was uh, of marriage age, which was like, would be like in the 1800s, probably like 15, because that's like our confirmation age. And then everyone, I think parents uh, in, the, in the old days were like, yeah, we fed you enough now. So get out of our house. Yeah. You, know, mm-hmm. you can center yourself now. Uh, so they did pretty early, but that was just enough time to, uh, for, the, for the resin to soak up into the tree. So when you cut the tree, it's naturally impregnated. So it doesn't actually wither so quickly. Then uh, oh. you have tar as well uh, on, on top of that. So, so when, they, they, when they made the stave churches, for example, this was practiced so that you have this naturally um, uh, wear-resistant uh, wood that you also you put it into the ground. But before you put it into the ground, uh, you fill the hole with uh, large rocks so that it has air and uh, drainage. So, and when you put the log in, then you put the stones into that hole as well, so mm-hmm. that it's not going to rot away on the base like uh, like other houses would do. So that's one of the reasons why stave churches still exist today because that building technique is really really good, and as long as they're being maintained, uh, it's really really. Uh, it would be difficult for it to deteriorate. Uh, mm-hmm. so. That's it's so fascinating that they would have known because they've not done that by chance. 
you know, it's, it's done for a reason. And that's yeah, so probably, interesting. All there, I would say. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. about the, the houses uh, in, in the Viking Age as well, we have post holes so that this technique seemed to have occurred when they around the time when they started making uh, the churches. I don't know this for a fact, but it, it seems like that to me because I believe that otherwise you would have houses that would be in the possession of uh, of uh, rich, great families, and they would want to keep their houses. and And I don't think that most people would come to a really large, great looking house and then be like, "Yeah, nah, just tear it down. Doesn't matter." You know, <laughs> I don't think that would be logical for people to do. No. So uh, they would try to preserve it if it was a great, nice looking house. So uh, I think when it comes to the long houses, for example, we have post holes. Uh, that uh, is an indication because the wood will rot in the ground. Then we have post holes, which indicate where the posts were located, where the doors maybe were located. Mm-hmm. And we also have, now talking about like uh, blacksmithing, we also have uh, scales, uh, oxidation on the on, in the inside longhouses, like the one in, uh, in Borg, in Lofoten. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a, a place inside... If I don't remember wrong in this case, there is a place inside where the forge was because you can see the scales because the scales are already oxidated. So it doesn't actually rust after that. It's already uh, rusted mm. in fast forward in, in a way. Yeah, that's, that's so fascinating. Um, yeah, it seems like we, we, you were talking about with the, the flat roofs. Matej, you might know better whether this is true or not but it's, it, it feels like when something is is found in in kind of from from the viking age that it automatically is so i mean certainly i don't know whether it's the same with scholars but with like the average joe if there's one thing that exists everybody then goes that's how everything must have been yeah. so like if yeah. there's if there's one you know, if there's one sword found, it's then every sword looked exactly mm. like this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. That feels, and I don't know if that's the scholarly well, perspective as well, Mateus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you like, for instance, with women's dresses, like, you, and as you know, this with as a reenactor, right? Like all yeah. the, all women, they wear the same dress, right? And it's based <laughs> off of like one or two patterns that have been found. <laughs> more it's or less. almost like there was no creativity. Yeah, <laughs> there can and be only one. <laughs> there can be only one, and and you know it's it's of course you know the balancing when you do reenactment you're balancing between like well what is historically accurate and how creative can we be right yeah mm-hmm. like yeah and so and and you also find different locations when it comes to Scandinavia like you find different locations with different rules some are more hardline some are less hardline and and yep. all of that stuff right so exactly uh, yeah um and um but the, the the main principle is of course to go with like what did we know existed and yeah. and then then try to reproduce that Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, actually, that was also uh, also my point earlier that I actually forgot to, to say as well about the houses is that I take a long time to get to the point, actually. Go around. But what's the saying? Walking around the porridge? Is that what Norwegians say? Walking around say? the porridge. Yeah. 
Gordon Gordon The Danish version is the cat is walking around the porch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Norwegians <laughs> probably just copied it from the Danish, and then we just cut it down a little bit. Like it's too long, too Make long. It more so efficient. <laughs> no, I think I, I think Elisa said that the 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 full Norwegian one is cat walks around the porridge. Yeah, I and think so it th- is, I think they shortened it down. Yeah, it's probably just shortened down. Many many things are like that in the Norwegian language. But mm-hmm. anyway, I was keeping on track uh, because. Um, so in the eastern part of Norway, we have log houses from the 1800s, 1700s, uh, way back in time. And most of the houses from the eastern part of Norway, unless it's a food storage house, which is called a stabur, unless it's like that, it's normally round, rounded logs. It's not done any effort. It's made in, not made any effort to, to uh, make these planks or like make these logs straight uh, on the sides. But in the western part of Norway, the Lofte tradition is is very very different because you have they do make an effort of making the uh, sides of the house straight. So, and I asked uh, a guy who does this type of work, and I said, "Why is that? Why why is this the why why did they do it differently in the eastern part of Norway and the western part of Norway?" And his answer is very simple: it rains a lot more in the western part of Norway. Mm-hmm. So that mm. in the eastern part of Norway, it doesn't matter if the water runs a lo- a- around the log and then gets into the cracks, because it doesn't rain so much that it's going to be damaging to the structure itself. But in the western oh. part of Norway, it's so much rain that if you have this round, it's just going to run in and it's going to uh, drip into the uh, house mm-hmm. and, and rot from the inside. And it makes perfect sense when you see it that way, which also would be it would explain a lot about Viking houses being, for example, in Iceland, you have uh, peat houses from mm-hmm. the bog peat, mm-hmm. uh, which is completely different from the houses that would be in Norway. So maybe mm-hmm. you have uh, some houses in Norway, which have you played Valheim, by the way? I play Valheim. I'm a <laughs> I haven't, but I've heard lots about it. You, you mean you have computers in the Viking age? I mean, no. <laughs> uh, what, what is a computer? <laughs> I don't know how I can see you guys right now. Uh, <laughs> it must be mine. This must be blowing your mind right now. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best. When I'm when I'm on Instagram, then I get an inbox message. Like I never got a specific one like this, but it's indications kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, do you really, guys? Do you guys really have technology? It's like, are you living as a only as a Viking? And it's like, yes. I do have this phone that I take all these pictures on Instagram with. <laughs> it's kind of obvious, but it's. I think I'm doing my job very well when it comes to the publicity part of it because. Oh, if it yeah. oh like, I mean, if if it's immersive, then yeah. obviously, uh, if it is that strong an image that people are like, "Ah, oh, didn't make that connection that you actually had a phone," you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good sign. I think you, you're definitely <laughs> doing something right. <laughs> I mean, well, how many followers do you have? One hundred and ten thousand. Now I have one hundred and thirty-three thousand. Uh, I so, it, so you you must have more than the actual village itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have three th- three times as much followers as um, as, as <laughs> a village uh, official. Wow! So that, that's fun, actually. Uh, so I was a uh, I was um I 
I met a, um, a Freeman up here once, and uh, you you might know her, uh, Draugaskald. I think she's been on your podcast. Before. Oh, she used to be called Odin Scrotum. Mm-hmm. She did. And, That's one of my favorite episodes I've yeah, we've ever yeah, done. Yeah, a lot of fun. And uh, the thing is, I um, I didn't know anything about like skaldic poetry and stuff like that. And she was into that, so I was like, "Wow, oh, this is really fascinating." And she also had like 10,000 followers at that time. So I was like, what? Is it possible to have like 10,000 followers? That's incredible, right? So I was like, okay, maybe I can try to do... So I started an Instagram called Viking Blacksmith. And I just worked on it. And I picked up some tips and tricks uh, from her at first and then other people along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, fantastic uh, how how much just sharing information with people can how far it can get you because some inspiration from here and there and then you know yeah before you know it you you have uh, uh some luck along the way as well there's the reason why i have so many followers now is because i did get like i get i got to ten thousand. i think something happened with the algorithm uh after that and then it uh a travel company uh, called like Heaven of Travel or something. Uh, it has like two and a half million followers. And they picked up my picture and they posted it on their story. So uh, during one one week or something, this one post got like one and a half million views. So that's how it kind of uh, went, went mm-hmm. viral for me. But as a friend of mine explained to me that if your if your profile doesn't have quality content, you're not going to get uh, followers no matter how many people come in to see your profile. You're not mm-hmm. going to have the followers unless you have the content from before. So yeah. that's what I've been working on. So it's a lot of hard work, but it's also one stroke of luck after I got that, uh, that you, you, making quality. Hey, yes, man, I, I have built a, a 5,000 Instagram following just by being a fucking weirdo so uh, yeah. <laughs> you can you can also yeah, do that for sure yeah and it's like you know mr beast on uh, on youtube oh mr you know, beast what, what did he do to get all those followers well what he did was that he did anything he could to get more followers so he had mm-hmm. like things that he did i don't remember what it was even it was like i will eat 100 of this item or something <laughs> so weird yeah. stuff like that. So and we, that's the type of thing that people will be like, "What is going to eat all that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you got to play. You got to play the game, Matthias. You never. <laughs> I, by the way, you look. You look like you. You'd never heard of Mr. Beast before. I have not heard of <laughs> Mr. Beast. This guy <laughs> has made so much money now that he just <laughs> gives. He just gives it away. And at oh. Halloween, at Halloween, he just was giving out iPhones. You went okay. in, kids were going to his door and he was just giving away iPhones, Macs. I wanted to go dress up as a little kid and try and get one. So so where where does this dude reside? Can, I don't can know, I, but I wish I knew. Can I find I him? I, I need some money, bro. <laughs> but I'm I just, this I great Viking project. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that you got the, the handle Viking Blacksmith. I can't even get my own fucking name. I'm Daniel <laughs> Scott Iron One because someone got it. And you managed to get Viking Blacksmith. <laughs> I was a stroke of luck that too as well. 
I was like, yeah. when I when I first discovered that that name was available, I was like, what is that available? That is mm. amazing. So because I would have thought that, uh, but I thought to myself, uh, I'll just try to type it in and see does it work. If it doesn't work, then I'll find another name. But but uh, I'm also a gamer, so I want to. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, maybe call me weird, but I'm gonna uh, do a. I'm gonna keep doing my Viking blacksmith uh, thing on Instagram taking pictures of my daily life up here. But I'm also going to do some other side projects. Like uh, I, I want to have one gaming channel, which is going to be Viking Smith, probably, on, mm. on um, YouTube. It's probably, it's probably available for you. Yeah, I do <laughs> have Viking Blacksmith on uh, on, on uh, YouTube as well. I secured that, okay. actually. So, oh, yeah, good move. Yeah, but uh, the the games like uh, I play Fortnite sometimes, and I play uh, like World of Warcraft. All these all these uh, very time consuming games. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Six hours went by. Uh, okay, it's morning again. So tonight I'm going to bed at nine, definitely, uh, mm-hmm. and then two o'clock. It's okay. <laughs> so oh, I I'd never played Fortnite before until Alyssa introduced me to it, and now I'm yeah. fucking hooked. It's yeah. so addictive. It's a really cool game, and uh, they actually just when I started playing that, um, they uh, they took away uh, they they had a, this trial period where they took away building altogether. Then they brought it back, but then they separated it into two. So now you can have no build, and then you mm-hmm. can have building. And this building stuff, I'm too old for that, man. It's like I I just I, my reflexes are probably not as good as when I was younger, but it's like. I can still sit in a bush and snipe someone. <laughs> okay. uh, I've never, I, I've never played build. I just got told don't, don't even fuck with build. It's all like twelve-year-old yeah. kids that just yeah. yeah they just they kind of like they build a building and edit doors and windows. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> I can't understand. Chase <laughs> is so confused right now. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so old right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, you you think Fortnite's every two weeks, don't you? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, let, let's talk about. We have to talk about blacksmithing. Let's talk yeah, about blacksmithing. Talk about blacksmithing <laughs> One big digression. <laughs> I know we're about we're about forty minutes in, and let's get back to the yeah yeah. The so question let me tell, tell you a little bit about uh, how to make iron in the Viking. So here's I have some nails here, and these nails oh here they are. Uh, these nails uh, are unlikely that Vikings would use for like decoration or doing stuff like that, but. Uh, to to uh, to make iron in the Viking Age, um, th- it's a huge operation because let's say that my in by my calculations, uh, the Osberg ship. Uh, well, not by my calculations, but the Osberg ship has oh, three thousand. Take nails. credit for it. You take credit. <laughs> yeah. My calculation is that actually the Osberg ship has three thousand nails, and <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> To make to make the iron for that is somewhere for for one person is somewhere between one hundred and two hundred and fifty years of work. Uh, so, and this is because you can you can make the you can make enough iron to make maybe a hammerhead or uh, an, a knife and a, an axe, for example, in one month. That's approximately the the amount of iron that you can. It varies very uh, much because you, you never know how much ore is in the bog. Uh, peat that you bring out mm-hmm. but uh, or how much iron is actually in the ore that you get out but 
there are ways of, of making iron. So um, I can take you through that real quick. Um, I have no, I, I literally have no idea. I've always wondered how yeah. you get the metal from the, is it, is it, I guess it, is it in the rock? Yeah, no, uh, actually I'll, I'll show you. I don't like it. I, it's, in I, I the, know. it's in the ground, in the bog. Okay, but is it as is it part of a, a, a stone? Yeah, uh, we have two things here. Here is uh, bog peat. Okay, um, I dug this out uh, from the bogs uh, in the spring. So bef- right when the snow was melting, there was a lot of red snow and red dirt up in the mountain. It's easy to see it in the spring because you can see the red snow everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's an indication that there's iron in the ground, right? So oh, wow. there's two ways of seeing iron in the ground. It's uh, either it's oil film on the water, or you have uh, red snow or red patches of, of dirt. So that's, that's different from yellow snow. That's different from yellow <laughs> snow. You can eat ju- the red ju- snow, but you shouldn't <laughs> eat the yellow one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so look for the red, not the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, and um, so by by digging out that, I, du- I just dug out the whole red patches of dirt because there is small granules of iron ore in there. So that when you burn this on a fire, um, then you will end up with this dust that's iron ore dust. And it's been roasted, so it's now magnetic as well. And uh, yeah, <laughs> run to the doctor. The doctor. <laughs> and uh so okay so staying on track for that story about the iron uh so uh yeah oil film on the water or red snow then you uh if it's oil film on the water you can split the uh, peat and then see uh if there's it looks kind of like this stuff Although this is a bloom, which is a finished product, really. It looks kind of like this. So is that, well. is that soil with the, like little bits of iron just kind of speckled in there? Um, no, this, this one is actually the, the finished product of an uh, iron bloomery process, which is, uh, I can tell you uh, all about it now. It's like, it's really, uh, so what you do is... Uh, so uh, there is iron in the mountains, right? Uh, inside iron uh, in the mountains, because a few million years ago or billion years ago, uh, depending on where you are, there, there was a meteorite shower that hit the earth. There was mostly iron. So a lot of the earth's crust contains iron. And uh, so when rain comes down on the mountain, it dissolves the iron from the inside. And it runs out into the into the bog or bogs, for example. And there's a certain bacteria that we just call uh, iron bacteria uh, that actually makes um, uh, makes uh, iron ore out of this. And iron ore technically is iron and oxygen bound together. So mm-hmm. this bacteria uses this in its life process and it adds tiny amounts of like sulfur and phosphorus and certain types of minerals in addition to connecting iron and uh, oxygen. So in order to, to separate that, to get iron out of that, you need to se- uh, have an oxygen-free environment. And that's where charcoal comes in. So 
you take this and you take um, you take an oven uh, that you make from you can make it from clay or different ways of making it. You can also make it from the the bog peat, which is the silt layer be, be, beneath the the grassy layer. That can mm-hmm. be quite dense. And in Iceland, they use this to stack together to make ovens. Okay. And uh, then you have bellows, which you pump. And there's some, many different types of ways to do this and different uh, bellows to, to use for this. But uh, if you use those that we normally use today from medieval markets, for example, that's a double uh, bellows, which you pump. And mm-hmm. um, you pump it so that you add, you have to take charcoal, Iron ore, charcoal, iron ore, alternating layers all the way to the top. And then you light it on fire, pump it so that it has approximately 1,650 degrees Fahrenheit Celsius. It's about, it, it has to have 1,643 degrees Celsius uh, in order for it to be, to, to actually uh, melt iron, uh, I believe. So, uh, and it holds approximately that temperature. Uh, but not to melt the iron itself, actually. This is only to, to liberate the iron away from the oxygen because the oxygen will burn away because this now is a carbon monoxide atmosphere inside the oven. Uh, so some of the iron will have small amounts of carbon attached to it. Some of the iron will just become iron. So when, when this bloom, when you, when you end up with this, uh, this contains some steel and some iron because steel is iron with carbon attached to it okay so in order to get this to to find out what is steel and what is iron from this lump of uh of of bloom um you have to work it so one of the reasons why they call it wrought iron is because wrought iron means literally worked iron and uh so you you take this out while it's white hot and Mm -hmm. Then you you strike it with wooden hammers because it's very brittle. So you strike it and forge it out, and then you cut it, and then you fold it over, and then you weld it back together on high heat, and then into the oven, out of the oven all the time. So you weld it back together. You do this just like a a piece of uh, dough, you know. So you just uh, fold it over and fold it over and fold it over. And at the end of this, you have squeezed out most of the impurities, which is the sulfur and the phosphorus and all this stuff. So uh, then, uh, then you end up with a piece where you strike this piece as flat as you can, and then you heat it up and put it into water. That will harden the pieces that now is steel, and it will just do nothing to the pieces which are now iron. So in, and then you strike it with a hammer because hardened iron, now hardened steel, just after it's been hardened, acts kind of like hardened glass. So it's very easy to crack it and it will split off. And then the pieces which are now steel will have sharp, straight edges. And uh, the pieces which is iron is more rugged, uneven edges. And then you take the steel in one pile and then the iron in one pile. So that when you make an axe, for example, <laughs> you just make uh, iron on each side and then the middle it will be steel. So Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Okay. This, this is why okay. the Vikings started buying swords from Frankia instead. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, fuck this. <laughs> These guys, they, they did the work already. <laughs> so, but, but people a thousand years ago understood this. 
obviously they didn't study on like a, a chemical level of knowing all the different compounds, but they yeah. understood that the, even when you were just saying having to go charcoal, like iron, charcoal oil, uh, iron. Yeah. Like just even understanding the, the complexity of that, that blows yeah, it, my mind. It seems to have been a very secretive uh, profession, really. So, and, and uh, the thing is, uh, the Vikings were pretty much uh, experts at this uh, because, well, the definition of an Iron Age is the ability to mass produce carbon steel. It's like not, not just to make iron randomly, but mass production of uh, carbon steel. Uh, unless you can find evidence after the production being made, then that you're not, uh, you don't. The archaeologists don't say that this period, this uh, area, is in in the Iron Age. So, the Iron Age starts at 500 BC in Norway, which is one of the latest areas to start the Iron Age. But it's still 1300 years before the Viking Age. Mm. So, by the time the Viking Age, they had 1300 years of experience by mass production of carbon steel. Yeah. So no wonder when when I was looking at uh, the Osberg tripod, for example, I went to the museum in Oslo when it was still open, and uh, I was looking, I was studying it and seeing, okay, how does it actually look? How many times do they twist this, right, to make these twists on the, if you know what I mean, like the, the fire tripod to hang mm-hmm. kettles from, for example? Yeah, so for, for anybody listening, that's it. it is just a tripod of three metal spikes, I guess, that join together at the top, and you yeah. can hang... You can then hang kettles or pots over yeah. a fire to, to yeah. boil water or whatever, cook food. And if you've ever been to a Viking market, you've seen it because you, yeah, you will. <laughs> that is the blueprint yeah. for the ones that everybody's using at Viking markets. Yeah, this is like the, the, the what, what they call it, uh, the uh, generic uh, mm-hmm. tripod. But one thing that I did notice in the museum is that uh, when we go to buy iron today, as a modern blacksmith, I obviously, from the story about making iron, I obviously don't make my own iron when I'm forging things up in front of an audience because I would never be here. I would never be forging. I would just be out in the mountain digging for iron. And I didn't, I didn't even tell you about the, 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 the making of charcoal because the charcoal would be like you had to chop down a lot of trees and then you have to dig a huge pit in the ground and you have to put the trees in there, cover it with dirt after you obviously mm-hmm. chop up the trees a little bit. Then you light it on fire for a couple of months and you have to watch it for a couple of months to make this. <laughs> and if you do anything wrong, it's going to just burn itself to the, to the cinders. <laughs> so oh. um, so you, do, do you think that they learnt just... Because for me, looking back, I was like, how the fuck did they know this? Like, Daniel, how... Daniel, Daniel is comparing his own lifespan to like mm. the lifespans of like generations of people that, or thousands and thousands of years. And he's like, how could they come up with this? Well, that, yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. it. I think I'm, you know, I'm looking through like modern eyes of just like, how the fuck is this? Is it just a case of that it was slowly discovered over like trial you know, and error little, over, over tiny little, yeah. yeah. It's, well, let, let's say that you have a, let's say that you have Pharaoh, right? Uh, in in the in the tomb of uh, Tutankhamun, they have found an iron dagger. Uh, this is a meteorite iron dagger. So uh, this is way into the Bronze Age. This is way late, long before the the iron uh, was being how long before they discovered how to produce iron, right? So let's say that you see a, a meteorite coming down from the sky, and then Pharaoh says, "Hey, soldiers, go out and look for that. Send an emissary because this is Ra coming down from the sky, right?" Mm-hmm. And 
so he sends out soldiers, and among the soldiers, there's always an idiot, right? So uh, <laughs> there's gonna be bound Pardon to be me. one idiot among the soldiers. <laughs> so he takes his his sword and cuts into this. Oh, it's just a stone falling down from the sky, right? So I just chop my sword into this, and he makes a notch into this worm piece. And uh, his officers uh, tell him, uh, what the hell are you doing? Go and sleep it off or something. And then the next day, they bring this stone back to Pharaoh. And uh, the Pharaoh is like, okay, uh, but it has a notch in it. What's this stuff, right? And uh, the officer calls his soldier and he says, uh, do what you did yesterday. And he takes his bronze sword, cuts into the piece and the whole bronze sword just crumbles into uh, mush, right? So uh, maybe Pharaoh, if he is uh, like any other person, he, he just wants more because humans want more all the time. That's why we are at we, where we are right now. So he says to the soldiers, okay, uh, or to anyone, right? There, there, now there's a bounty on uh, getting these items. So didn't we see a meteorite falling down there last year? And then a few years ago, it was over there. Eventually, when they start looking for these meteorites, because he, he obviously, they had the, the ability to forge bronze at this point. They had heating and they had uh, the mm-hmm. ability to make things like these, for example, right? So, so is, is bronze much easier to make than iron? Just yeah, to... bronze, bronze is just uh, tin and copper mixed together. And these were found in the surface areas. Okay. So, and it doesn't take very much uh, magic to to kind of uh, to melt that to make these into two things. Okay. Okay. So, and so uh, they send people out and they start discovering that okay, where that meteorite there fell down, there's oil film on the water. Okay. So they start looking for oil film, and eventually they come across places where that doesn't have meteorites, but it has iron ore. So mm-hmm. they start burning it and start checking out, okay, how much do we need to burn it? Because we did burn the last one, didn't we? And then mm-hmm. eventually they figure out a way to make iron. That's my take on how to mm-hmm. how this might have happened. I never heard it from somewhere, but <laughs> I've been thinking. It, make, it makes sense. I yeah, mean, it makes sense. Not necessarily the, the pharaoh, but maybe uh, some Sumerian or like, uh, they, mm-hmm. I think the Iron uh, Age started originally in like Mesopotamia, that area. So. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me that the people knew knew how to do that because if yeah. if every if everybody in history was like me and all all our ancestors were like me, I promise you we're not making it to the Iron Age because it's just not happening. I'm not figuring that out. I'm not figuring <laughs> it out. We're just sat there with sticks and stones and a, maybe a fire at best. We're probably just all yeah. cold. We would be. Uh, I think if the if we deleted all uh, all, the, all the technology right now, we would be fucked. Basically, it's just uh, yeah. yeah. We just hope. To yeah. hope uh, we I would just... have to hope that fate would pull our hair at the same time because we'd be fucked. You know. But that's I, why we, we we would need people like you. If all like this this I, I have I, a, I have a fun. vision of of like uh, a tribe of dance. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> Sitting in the rain with like a stick, <laughs> trying to make fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everyone, everyone around us has flying cars. Everyone is flying around, flying around. The other thing is, the tribe of Dan's is so fucking stubborn that we're not asking anybody else for help. We're not asking for help. We're not, we're not like borrowing technology. We're just on our own. 
<laughs> and we're okay, not we, need, we need we need a we need a resident artist to uh to 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 make an image of the tribe of Dan. <laughs> all, all the playing cards and then me just sat in the middle just like because they wouldn't i would I, I wouldn't ask anybody either i wouldn't be like hey please can you help me out and everybody's like zooming around in their little fucking hover cars i'm just sat there like i'll get there and i'm ruining my little stick together trying to make the fire <laughs> it's just gonna take a little bit more time. It's like yeah, I'll, 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 catch, I'll catch up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, 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 often, I often think about this. If you know, if if all not we store so much knowledge on computers now. You know, we have everything is stored on hard drives, on computers, on servers here and there. Like if, if all that disappeared, yeah, would be and you really got put back to the basics. Like nothing you, that you think of, you know that you think matters now would matter, and you would rely on people like you who remember these old ways of doing things. Yeah, you become a god overnight. I think I would be. I would have increased my uh, my uh, current uh, Instagram status by a million. <laughs> oh yeah, like <laughs> except Instagram wouldn't exist, but uh, my until all the phone batteries died. Don't kill that guy. <laughs> Don't kill him. <laughs> yeah, he, he actually knows stuff. <laughs> As I say, when we were expensive to kill the blacksmith in the Viking Age as well. So, but I have to I have to say, I was looking into because I I'm I'm a type of person that I go all the way into uh, knowledge if I can. So I did some some additional research. I know some things already about like Mjolnir because we were talking about uh, the hammer of Thor, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what I what I found was very interesting because the hammer is technology. It's like probably put next to fire, which is blacksmithing in its essence. I think that the hammer is the most significant uh, invention that's ever been uh, made because mm-hmm. it about I think it was like about three million years ago, apparently. Uh, people started using stones to crush things, right? Uh, and about 30,000 years ago, we started putting uh, putting handles on hammers, and which makes uh-huh. it vastly improved. So, and I was looking into this, which was very, very interesting to me, because uh, in Latin, maleus is hammer, right? And mjölnir is related to that word. Uh, but there's also a different uh, name for it. And uh, probably because this word has originated, it means to uh, crush something. Apparently, like proto-Indo-European language, way, way back. Uh, Mjölnir is related to lightning. The word Mejalandar uh, or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. related to lightning. Uh, which is logical to me as a blacksmith because whenever I heat up something uh, and it, it doesn't need to be heated all the way to a thousand degrees, it can be 700 degrees. If I strike that warm piece of steel hard enough, it's going to make sparks. Mm-hmm. So uh, striking it's something... It's easy to make that connection between... Yeah, yeah. So, and... so there's like two words for uh, for hammer. And one of them is hamar, which is hammer, where hammer comes from, uh, which is a different word from from Mjölnir, 
but they're both related in the sense that uh, they mean to uh, crush things and it's related to lightning. Mm-hmm. So it was very oh. interesting. I'm going to check more around that because it was, I'm a, mm-hmm. obviously as a blacksmith, it's practical to know where the word hammer comes from and mm-hmm. where Mjolnir mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah. So, so it, it sounds as though iron is obviously very important and it's, and is it the is is iron the hardest thing that they could they could make at the time I guess for for making steel hammers be, out of out steel out would of, be the hardest thing. Oh, so steel, okay. Um, yeah. So when it came to jewelry and like you said with the amulet of, of Milner, yeah. that would they would they then use bronze or less imp- I guess less in, less toughened things. Yeah. Um, they had this, uh, actually, this summer I had a friend from, uh, from Poland who is a master jeweler. Uh, and uh, he makes, he's also a complete history nerd, especially in the Viking Age and the, the migration period, right? So uh, I talked to him about this and we, uh, he gave me a lot of information about this. And so... So many other things that I say now come like directly from from conversations with him. Uh, we're we're gonna have a, a project together, and it's not this helmet here, but we're gonna make a a copy of the Valskjad helmet eventually. Oh, nice. uh, it has uh, bronze fittings and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the advantage of bronze, brass, uh, tin, uh, silver, and gold is that it's easy to cast it. But in order to cast, for example, steel or iron, you need to heat it to 2,200 Celsius, which mm. is uh, beyond their capacity in the Viking Age because you need special ovens like blast furnaces. So okay. in the 1600s, they started melting iron. Uh, that was like the first time that they, they started doing that, as far as we know, at least. Um, so... They, they made these, uh, for example, many of the, this type of amulet, uh, they, they're not uh, complete on the backside. It's not uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, I often wondered that. Yeah, it's actually when it's made of gold or silver, it's normally they've used a matrix. A matrix is something that you can, like, for example, if you're making a coin, you're using mm-hmm. a matrix. So you're using some... Uh, one above and one below, and then the workpiece in the middle, and then you smash it with a hammer, and it's gonna make the shape that you want. So okay. most of these are apparently made as as these uh, templates, and then uh, been made in a matrix to to have that uh, the the pattern. And then some of them has also been made into filigree. So they have these mm-hmm. tiny, tiny, tiny pieces. It's this is the Skåne amulet. And the Skåne amulet, if you look that up and you look at the level of detail on that workpiece, it's, it's just, it doesn't, it um, doesn't make any sense even. Because when you magnify it, you see that, uh, okay, so you have the, I don't know if you can see properly on this one, but you mm-hmm. see these uh, twirls on the hammerhead, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, then you see small, small granules that's very hinted at because this is a very, very raw copy that I made. Mm-hmm. But you have these uh, small granules that you can't even see on this. But So all along the side of this, 
there's uh they're approximately the size of a, a needle like the thickness of a needle but they're not only that thickness they're also hollow and they have grooves on them mm -hmm. made from silver okay. so it's less than like half a millimeter in diameter and they have this, they made these hundreds of these on these uh jewel piece of jewelry so it's incredible how how much detail they put into that work Mm -hmm. uh, the answer is aliens. It's always <laughs> aliens. Aliens. It's always fucking aliens. Yeah, no, it's it is it is wild the level of detail that they could reach um, in in the Viking Age with the mm -hmm. uh, with some of their casting. That's uh, yeah, it's insane. Um, isn't it? Um, uh, um, Children of Ash. Um, Luciana. Yeah, Luciano. He has a uh, he has a theory that that they'd essentially like been uh, over on on um, on Gotland. I think it was, or maybe yeah. it was Ireland. I can't remember. He, that they they you know been collecting slaves with good eyesight to to um, to train them to to do this. Um, yeah, it makes sense. To, yeah. yeah, because yeah. you would. You, I, he he's got a really good explanation for it. He's oh, uh, yeah. he he essentially says that well, you like a population that's not going to produce that many people with that good eyesight over time. Okay. So you have to like import. So yeah. it was probably like a selection of slaves coming through. <laughs> yeah, it, that makes perfect sense actually, because uh, even even with the the slaves or people who do this type of work, uh, they will. Uh, eventually they will lose their eyesight properly because it, it is such a strain on the eyes. Mm -hmm. So, okay. uh, so it's like, a temporary thing actually. And uh, I think that people would know that and, and try to avoid uh, mm -hmm. doing that themselves if they could. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and it, just like staring at a computer all the time, by the way, no, oh, yeah. Modern oh, yeah. population take note. Oh, and that reminds me, of course, there is your, uh, uh, this uh i don't know if it's wonderful but it, there is this uh, interesting wonderful tale about the uh, verlund the smith right who is uh captured by the evil swedish king um, yeah. and his uh his um achilles tendons are cut so he can't yeah. run away yeah. and then he's uh, him anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so he uh, he's he's sitting there on an island somewhere um maybe gotland who knows and yeah. uh, and is making jewelry for the king, until of course he you know accepts revenge and all that stuff. But that's not. Mm -hmm. He's such a badass. He's such he a badass. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a psycho too. I mean, he takes his kids <laughs> and yeah. and turns their heads into or ornaments. Yeah. <laughs> so. and like um, he's he's the warning that the like. Never mess with a blacksmith. Never. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's not. It, so, you always have this typical image of a blacksmith being six foot plus, like huge. Yeah. Like, that, that's like the, if you saw as a drawer of blacksmith, that's what you're drawing. Like, yeah. where does that come from? Or do you need like that insane strength? Because I, I know a blacksmith um, in Rotherham and that makes a bunch of stuff for the, my company and he he's like he I think he does like training days with different people I was like teaching probably similar yeah. thing to you do and he said the women are by far the best at it because yeah. it's they it's not all about hitting as fucking hard as you can 
it's yeah. all about like the accuracy and the and the nuance yeah yeah, yeah. uh i think um that's uh, that's also my experience on, on classes actually that uh guys will produce many many more items than the women but the women will normally produce like on a, on a knife uh class for example uh the women will normally make one work piece and it will be perfect that's mm -hmm. like my experience on that but that's a general tendency though And I think that um, when it comes to the Viking Age, there are tales like, I, th I think I posted one the other day when there is, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, oh, there, there's, a, there's a blacksmith. Uh, and he he goes out and, my God, this should be easy. This should be easy because <laughs> it, uh, it's, an, it's a Skallagrim. I think his name is Skallagrim. I think it's Egil Skallagrimsson's father. Mm -hmm. and uh, he doesn't have an anvil so he's on Iceland so he doesn't um, or in Iceland, I don't know you want to uh, say in Iceland just in to recognize Iceland. that it's a country yeah, exactly Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and uh, so see, he's uh, in Iceland and he doesn't have an anvil and you don't want to it's like it would take you 20 years to make enough iron for making one anvil properly like a huge uh, sword anvil for example mm -hmm. so he goes the kind out you see on looney tunes that one. yeah those, <laughs> yeah the, the large ones so um he goes out in his boat and uh, it it's all also made a point out of the boat it has eight oars but he rows it alone and he anchors it up uh someplace out outside an, another island dives down into the water takes up a stone, puts it into the boat, uh, rows into land again, carries the anvil from the shore and up to his smithy. And uh, then he's happy, and then there's many marks in this anvil by this time the story is being told. Uh, it's still there, it says in the saga. Uh, and four strong men were not able to lift that anvil afterwards. So it says something about the strength of a blacksmith because Skallagrim was, he had been a blacksmith for a very long time in the Viking Age. Mm -hmm. And if you have to do anything, like, don't get me wrong, because everyone was fucking strong in the Viking Age. Because if you weren't, you were dead, literally. Because if you, mm -hmm. if you have to wash clothing, you have to wash clothing with stones in the river in the winter. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you if you don't carry logs to to get them um, in uh, mm -hmm. to 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 um, to get firewood or build a house or something, your family literally yeah. dies in the winter. Even so, even now, though, like generational farmer strength, yeah, is farming, it's like it tops everything. It's five years, and even when I shake hands with a farmer, I'm like. Holy shit, that hand is huge, right? Mm -hmm. If I meet a farmer that's been working as a farmer for, for all his life. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, incredible. But I have to say, though, Grettir, uh, in Grettir Saga, he's twice as strong as Skallagrim would be because four uh, strong men could not lift that stone. But uh, Grettir was able to fight off two wrestlers that had the strength of two men each. And he just dominated them completely. So, mm -hmm. but he was an asshole, though. So, didn't, I think his moral character. Uh, didn't he have help from a giant when that happened? 
Or was that another situation where he... Uh, another situation, I think. Um, it does, does, this does was like at a, the, the thing, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one that I'm thinking about, that he's, I think he's like trapped in a ravine or something like that. And Okay, yeah. And then he gets help from, from this like uh, giant that comes out of a rock somewhere. Yeah. No, it's a, this is a, a different one, but uh, well, I, I just have to say, like, there's, I know um, Icelandic woman, and she, uh, Sigrun is her name. She, um, she's a designer as well, Sigrun Design, and she is, um, she is related to Gretir apparently because they have historical records on their DNA and like the families and everything. So when I and she has this app that's an Icelandic app that you can just again, okay, who am I related to? Historical characters. And she's like, yeah, I'm related to Gretir. And I'm like, what? You're related <laughs> to Gretir? Like a direct lineage from Gretir. That's awesome. Uh, but she, she also said that, uh, this, that was a side note, actually. But uh, she also said that uh, there's a guy in, on, in Iceland in Iceland that um, he reenacts only Gretir saga. So he's an expert at Gretir saga. And he goes around all the places in Iceland where Gretir was uh, moving around and do all this uh, different reenactment stuff, which would be so cool to if if I want to if I want to guide in Iceland, I think I would, uh, would go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> <laughs> like fun. Go um, to Durangoy and see him hold the fort. <laughs> huh? Go to Durangoy and see him hold the fort up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, there's also so so many things from from that saga that's like interesting because. For example, on the island that he lived, right, his slave was a bit sleepy, so he slept, and then he fell asleep at the fire. So the fire went out. And here's the thing. They didn't have a fire steel. So he had to go ashore. He had to swim ashore uh, because they had been left out there with the boat. So when he swims ashore, he gets a hold of fire and everything. And it's like a major feat to, to actually go swimming in that water, those waters. Uh, but it says so much about the, the availability of iron in the Viking Age as well, because if you don't have a fire steel, uh, it must be rare with iron. Mm-hmm. And yeah, something you definitely want to keep on you. Iron, by the way, so huh? Something you definitely want to keep with you if you can. It's very expensive. I, I did. I got some uh, pushback on this from one of my colleagues yesterday, but. So take it with a grain of salt. But my opinion about how the, how much iron would be worth to, for a Viking, because you can't really uh, you can't really compare mm-hmm. the economy today to the economy of the Viking age. It's impossible because it's it's so different. Everything is so different. We are we get impatient if we stand in line behind someone at a gas station and they pull the push the button to get a coffee. We still get impatient after thirty seconds. Like this is taking too long. Yeah. Well, years ago, if you were a king, you would be like, servant, coffee. And then it's like 10 minutes later, yeah, you have yeah. your coffee. <laughs> you know? So we have so much luxury right now. And um, so there's a different economy. But in my opinion, the price of iron for a Viking would be much closer to the price of gold for us than anything else. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go out and buy 10 kilos of gold, then you can buy 10 kilos of iron in the Viking Age. It might not be exactly like that, but it's it's not so far away because it takes six years to make a chainmail. 
because you have to extract 20 kilos of iron and then you have to forge this into steel wire and then you have to fold that take it around something round and then chisel it and make a make it flat on one end and then make a rivet hole and then you have to make the rivet and then you have to put it together and rivet one one uh, ring then you have to forge weld the second ring and you do this about 30,000 times <laughs> that's <laughs> so exciting, many man. times <laughs> that's so many times <laughs> i'll give it the short version now <laughs> wow like the tribe of dan's not doing that <laughs> no chance. <laughs> we'd, have, we'd have chainmail bikinis at best. <laughs> I'm all for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no way. The winner's not doing it. <laughs> okay, you said you had one more thing to say about iron, and then we, we'll wrap up. I think yeah. we're yeah. an hour and a half in. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. Very quickly, I think uh, oath rings like this is related to the uh, piece of uh, the, there were rings on swords, so that when you gave a ring to someone, they remained loyal to you. If you accept the ring, you swear loyalty to that person. And swords used to have rings at the end of it. Uh, so when you gave a sword to someone in the Viking Age, you were officially declaring loyalty if you received the sword. Anyway, that's a, also a side note from the question there. But um, the complexity of an Ulfbert sword uh, is is so... They, this was the best swords available uh, in the Viking mm -hmm. Age. We have found 3,500 normal swords in Norway from the Viking Age, uh, meaning that they buried approximately 10 to 11 swords every year during the Viking Age. Uh, on average, because it probably was more in, at the, towards yeah. the end of it. But... Um, 100 out of these 3,500 swords, approximately, are uh, real Ulfbert swords. And Ulfbert swords uh, have a steel quality that is almost on a par with uh, steel that is produced today. So homogeneous steel, almost. Very, very little inclusions of, of, uh, of uh, impurities. So... The only place that they have actually found archaeological evidence uh, for um, bloomeries, no, for uh, crucible steel, is actually Sri Lanka uh, at the time of the Viking Age. So uh, the Viking Age probably, because my logic to this is that they did have silk in Viking areas, so why wouldn't they be able to transport steel from Sri Lanka through India into the Silky Road and then into Damascus, and then from, from there onto Francia. And uh, these swords. Steel are is heavier than silk. Made. Huh? Steel is heavier than silk. That's true, though. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that one of these swords would be something like if we think of a sword as being like a Ferrari or something, mm -hmm. I think one of these Ulfbear swords would be like a Bugatti Veyron or something. That would mm -hmm. be like, it's the top notch of all that you can have of uh, mm -hmm. status symbols, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that. And that's completely, completely a different level of, uh, of uh, steel production, <laughs> I would say. It was, it was probably a female blacksmith. 
Probably. Yeah. <laughs> she did it once, and she did it well. <laughs> she did very few, but she did it perfect. That's what. That's what it is. Perfect. Let's yeah. Let's wrap this up. Anders, thank you very much for for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for letting me be on here. I hope I didn't rant too much and too no, much of a uh, like. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's what we want. Uh, not that you need it, but but give people a shout out for the Instagram so they can find you. Yeah, uh, my Instagram is uh, Viking Blacksmith in one word. So mm-hmm. feel free to follow me, or and uh, I will I will actually make iron on a story so that I will make whenever I do something related to actually making iron from scratch. It's going to take a long time, but I'm going to gather all those things into one story highlights. So that okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that, yeah, it's fascinating. It, so, yeah. This has been one of the most fascinating episodes we've had for a, for a long time. Thank um, you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure being uh, acquainted with you guys, and uh, and uh, hope we uh, see each other when I go to uh, England. Uh, are you both in England right now? Or? I'm in England. Matthias is in. I am deep in the mountains in America. Okay, cool. <laughs> I might no, go both in good... places. First, I'm going to Iceland in February, probably. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, when you're in England, we will we'll definitely meet up and catch up. Cool, cool. But you're uh, you're welcome on here anytime. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Also, if if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five star rating and a positive review wherever you you get your podcasts. Um, and also. It's, you've held quite a few things up to the camera. You've, it's been quite a visual episode. So people that are only listening to this, if you want to see the visuals, um, the episodes are on YouTube. You can look at all three of us and look at Anders holding up different bits and pieces, which might make a little more, more sense. Um, and obviously if you can subscribe and hit the little bell icon that lets you know every time we drop a video. Uh, Matthias, what about you? Yeah, you can always find me on Instagram just by my name, Matthias Norvig. There you go. Boom. There we go. Perfect. Let's, yeah, let's get out of here. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, you're welcome back anytime. I'm sure there's so many more fascinating things. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Anders. Thank you, Matthias. Bye.